Blog Talk Radio. And there's a new way emerging to understand how to create your life with faster, more powerful results. Welcome to Speed Manifesting, and here's your show host and author, Lori Mitchell. Hello and welcome. I'm pleased to be back, and it's nice to be here for this half-hour show each week again. We used to do a half-hour show on a regular basis, and... Now is the time to get back and start talking about the next set of concepts that we need to go through to really speed up our manifesting. So my name is Laurie Mitchell, and and what we're talking about in this series of shows is beliefs and our beliefs and how beliefs can be the break while our knowledge of creating and manifesting and a manifesting method is our accelerator or our gas pedal. And so so you need breaks. You absolutely do need breaks. When you're speeding down the road, around curves, everything else, the creative method and speed manifesting itself is a beautiful way of understanding seven steps that are simple, but it's a process and a and a method that you learn and then apply, learn and apply whenever you are creating intentionally. And the beliefs that we have are the things that stop us or slow us down from creating quickly. Things can happen and can manifest very, very quickly. You might have had this experience in your life where you are amazed at how quickly something came after you thought of it or did some action on it, and and it all came together very quickly, more than you'd seen before. And yet, when there are beliefs in the way, they are the breaks. And gosh, I would certainly like to have breaks anytime I'm driving, let's say in a car, because as much as I am impatient, and that's why I created speed manifesting, I wanted to know the quickest, fastest route to get so that I didn't have to deal with my breaks, Getting the speed wobbles when you're going so fast, are it's because you've got your parking brake on while you're fully accelerating. So understanding beliefs and how they fit into the whole method of manifesting fast is an important part of it. Beliefs themselves, how they're formed, we can we can talk about every incident that you had that might have formed a particular belief or your core values, where you started from, why you decided that. But what's most useful, and I do talk about that in the book itself, in Speed Manifesting itself, but, but what's most useful is understanding the structure of it. So the, the structure then allows you to play within that. If you just imagine that you are that beliefs are like the maze that you're that you're inside of while you're creating and yet on, on the outside of this maze this castle full of maze is this labyrinth you go outside of it and there's just a path that's around the whole castle that leads you straight to where you want to go to the difference is that the beliefs can keep you safe really 
we go along in our in in our spirituality and we and our personal growth and we think that beliefs are holding us back and they limit us by their very nature and that that's bad we suddenly also put that extra meaning on that that's bad it's not bad it's very useful just acknowledge that when we have beliefs and they are useful because they're keeping us safe when we know the difference between it's a belief and it's keeping me safe and I'm playing a new game now, then we can do something about it. So in the first place, understanding about beliefs being not the truth, beliefs being effectively a lie that you've taken on as the truth when they're in the way. So have you ever noticed how somebody says something like it's absolutely true for them and you know it's not. So they might say something like, oh, I had an example the other day, someone in a huge parking lot with three or four layers of parking right beside me as I got, was about to get into my car, they got into theirs. Now, has that ever happened to you where there's a parking lot full of cars, no one else is getting in except the person in the car beside you and you have to stand there and wait for them or they have to stand there and wait for you. Well, <laughs> you know, immediately to me, oh, this always happens. Oh, doesn't it always happen? It was like a funny thing to say. Now, if that's never happened to you, you're going to say, well, no, that's not true. From someone else's perspective who never has that circumstance, it's it's just their belief. It's it's how they've decided that things are, and so it keeps happening. And at the same time, that is an inconsequential, incidental kind of you know nothing belief. It's not stopping us from our our core living day to day. The beliefs that are, we're going to talk about that today, and, and we'll talk about how it fits in and why it's really dangerous. Dangerous in these times to accept some of them and not recognize that first of all it's a belief it's not the truth and second of all how to how to how to deal with it and whether or not you do want to have it as a belief but of course what comes first is awareness so the structure of the beliefs themselves in terms of how they're formed there are what i call three degrees of belief because as you're born into this world, the first degree of belief and the one that is the most true to you is your own experience. Even though the, the truth that you make it about right and wrong comes later, we label it as truth later, but in, in actual fact, it's one of the universal laws of cause and effect. So, as you experience life as a, a new being in the world, you start moving your body and using it, and, you, and something happens, and then it continually happens the same way. You reach out, and there's, there's your toy, or there's your whatever you can reach for, and you realize that, there's a, that as you keep doing something, a result happens consistently. That becomes a belief about the world that is tied into how you move your body. It is absolutely experiential. And so cause and effect becomes a belief. And that's useful so that 
you start recording what works and what doesn't or what you want, moving toward what you want and moving away from what you don't want. And it builds up in, in recordings and you start storing information and then later making a decision about it. When you make a decision about it and it locks in that that is the way it is, that that cause and effect enough times is the truth, that's when you have your first degree belief. And so as we go through life, our own experience and, you know, whether it's true for me is really important. And it should be the highest value, except for one thing. You get to waste a lot of time and, and hurt when you have to do it all yourself, when you have to figure out life from just your own experience and create beliefs and limits and structures, you know, having that break when you go around curves is very, very good. So when you, to to avoid certain things and to go toward other things, doing it all yourself is a long way. And the second degree of beliefs are very, very useful when you have other people in your life that can teach you. I do call them teachers, but they're like parents, siblings, other people, anyone that you actually physically know. And they may, once you get language in your life, they may then be able to teach you their beliefs so that you can cut your learning curve down. And I know personally for me, my father was married 10 times. And so, and, and my mother was the first. So even as a young woman, I know that when when I watched him continually make the same mistakes, and, and he, he had an alcoholism problem, he had an anger management problem, um, and he was a real charmer. He, he was really, he, he loved women, but he had some issues. And so as a, as a young, young girl and then a young woman growing up, watching this, through my observation of him, he gifted me so many beliefs that I could use that I didn't have to experience in order to set them up, rules, rules in life, that when you do this, that happens. Because what was the common denominator in 10 marriages? Yeah. <laughs> you know, I, don't, I didn't understand why he didn't see that. I, I never understood that as a kid, and yet it's harder for us to see ourselves. But having said that, that usefulness of other people's actions, the observational part as well as them sitting down and teaching us what is is a good way to do something or parents guiding us, which we got lots of that as well. And so it was very useful, the observational beliefs that I set up based on other people's experiences that I knew were useful. I could see it so many times. And so we have that first degree, which is experiential, which is our own, we have our own observation of life and the cause and effect. And then the second degree of belief is other people's experiences. So, so watching them and, and having this kind of next level of teachers once, we, once they can tell us the rules of life. And a lot of those, you know, they, they were relative to our parents, but these are different times, you know. And yet it swung around to, it's almost like a lot of the money beliefs 
have swung around to our grandparents or great-grandparents again because they went through such a big, they went through a depression and it, and the way that they handled money and the things they were doing might be very useful now. So it's not that we throw it away because it's um, somebody else's beliefs that we know, but the way that they are about things, we can learn from it. Why? Because the beliefs are there to serve a cause and effect based on a, a bunch of shared beliefs in a world. <laughs> the third degree the beliefs, third degree beliefs are the, the ones right now that are the most dangerous to us. These are beliefs that are generational. But it's no one that has ever been alive in our lifetime. These are generational from hierarchies of and dogma and rules of life from a world that 100, 200 years ago wasn't even valid now. We're moving so fast. Our technology is moving so far ahead of us as a society. There's a lag. There's a social lag in how to live in, in community in the, all of these technologies and how to, in, how, to, how to bring it in in the usefulness of technology without infringing on the social aspect. So, wow, you know, can you, you can imagine one or 200 years ago, it's so not relevant. How about 1,000 years ago? How about 2,000 years ago? In terms of beliefs, I'm not talking about values, core values of humanity. I'm talking about beliefs that this is the way things are, and we must do things this way because it's the right thing to do because someone, some ancient teacher says it's the way to do it. And, and, and what we see straight away when we look at that particular teaching is it may be true for them, but it's just not true for me or for my times or for my generation or whatever it is. So we need to get more responsible about our beliefs. That's the kind of conclusion of, of three degrees of beliefs is look at a belief and decide whether you want it to be true. So for instance, if, and the first part is a discovery. The awareness does come first. The first part is a discovery of what exactly belief are you holding that, that gives you these circumstances in front of you. And so when, we, when we're not responsible for we're changing our beliefs or holding our beliefs, then we become victims. We become victims of life. We become victims of the world. And when we notice that, it's useful to step back and say, hey, hang on. See, with the way that, that the world is, I, I, I want to know the beliefs. I want to know what's going on. I want to know the broader perspective of the shared beliefs of the world because each of us are carrying these three degrees of beliefs and we're all interacting with them. And then some of us are agreeing that, that yes, that's true and others aren't. And, and there's all this confusion between the three degrees as well as uh, our own choice that's missing, our own choice about do we want this to be true? Because the beautiful pivot point that we are, that you are in time right now, being alive in this time right now, is that you are about to see that the structures of the world are malleable, that 
that the beliefs of the world are changeable. That with the the creative part of you and understanding and taking responsibility for co-creating life, that there's this dance with spirit and matter and the direction of that flow is your conscious choice or your unconscious beliefs, then everything can shift very quickly, very, very quickly in your life. Let's keep bringing it back to in your life because out there, that's another story. (laughs) So, and that's what's most important is start at home. Start with what you have. Start with where you are. So ask yourself, do I want this to be true? Because you you cannot see the forest for the trees. You cannot see the beliefs that you have within you as you're operating inside of them. And it really does look like life is, is like this, you know, and this is the way it is. And, and that's, we need that. We teach that. It, I, you know, there are so many things I teach that are beliefs. And if they serve us and they're going along with the universal laws or the real rules of life, then, then it's perfect for moving ahead. It's perfect for expanding your life in whatever area you want to. And if it, if it doesn't serve you anymore, then that's when you need to question. And, and how do you know a belief serving you or not, or a set of beliefs even? Well, how's your life look? Is there an area in your life where you're really struggling and specifically, look at four different areas in your your connection with people, with others, your connection with yourself and your self-acknowledgement and self-acceptance, or your relationship with nature and the natural world, or your relationship with money. Those four areas, others, self, nature, and money, are you struggling in any of those areas? If you are, look at the one area that is a struggle for you or where there are recurrent themes. Those are the clues. And the recurrent themes, you follow them. And I would just suggest that you go somewhere close to water because water is an amplifier for us and for our thoughts. And, and just sit near the water or be in the shower, whatever works for you. Have a bath, go for a swim. And just contemplate the circumstances and then reflect. The circumstances are are clues. They're clues to you because you're ready for more. There's a gap between what you want and where you are, and that gap becomes painful when it's not moving, when there's no flow toward anything that you do want, if you do know what you want. Or at least if you know what you don't want, you could be moving away from that as long as you're in flow. So once you're near the water, just contemplate, what would someone have to believe? What would someone have to believe in order to have this circumstance? So if you were looking at someone else and you could kind of think about some of the things that someone would have to believe, Like it was the truth. In other words, no matter what, they'd have to think something 
that would then make this true. They couldn't have these circumstances without having this as part of their thinking process. So, for instance, let's, let's look at money. If, if someone was having trouble with um, having too much money, I'm going to do that for you so that, so that you can really see. So, so someone in, in the world who's, who has trouble with, with too much money, their, their issue is that, that they, life is complicated. That's the kind of belief they have to, sorry, not life is complicated, but life is complicated when you have money. And and they're busy with it. So if they have if they feel they have too much money, I actually I know someone who turned his his money situation around. And what happened was his family and his friends suddenly needed money, and they would come to him because he had money. And he was saying this was an issue. It was becoming an issue. He was happy to help, but. It was getting very uncomfortable for me. Didn't know what to do. I mean, this is like bailing people out of jail and stuff. It was important that he shared it, and he he wanted to, but it became this complication. So when you are looking at a circumstance and you're looking at something that you want to reflect on, what would someone have to believe? Well, he'd have to believe, for instance, in this case, that um, that when you have lots of money, you're the hero. Do you see how that kind of circumstance can then hold that belief? Well, it's one or it's one and the other. The belief itself can describe the circumstance. So look at your own life, and if it's if, especially if it's lack or loss that you're looking at, that's a good one because you can say, well, if someone was in this circumstance, what would they absolutely have to believe? And if you want to make it personal, if you're ready to bring it into what would I have to believe for this to show up in my life? Then it becomes, you just distance it as opposed to having to feel all guilty and blaming yourself. That's not taking responsibility in the same way. It's not your fault that these things are happening. They're just clues because you're ready for expansion and you're not creating them, you're co-creating them. In other words, you're asking for something and it's being delivered. Ask for something different, but first you have to discover what it is you're asking for. So by knowing the beliefs and especially the the three degrees of beliefs, you can start shifting things around. You can start changing it so that so that it serves you and serves those around you. Now, when it comes to those gener- those third degree generational beliefs. I just personally think we need to ditch them. I really, I just think that they're just not relevant anymore. So, and, and when I say ditch them, I mean question them and then ditch them if we need to as, if, as irrelevant, as not useful anymore. So we, we live in a, in a time that is magnified in its urgency by, and it's, it's, we live in a time where we're lost because we have dropped trust. Because we just don't trust like other generations used to. And, and being lost 
is not a bad thing when you're pioneering. And this is absolutely what we're doing now. We are pioneering. And so it, it's reasonable to think that we're, that we're lost. It's reasonable to, to think it's time to stop and take stock and find out where we are, first of all, and then where we want to go. And the, the, the beliefs themselves are the things that will help us or hinder us. They're not bad in themselves. So I think the structure is really important. I remember, have you ever been to the the fun house at the at the local fairs? And they, it was a long time ago, but they had a, a fun house with the, the wavy mirrors and the glass maze. I remember being in them, gosh, as a kid with my sister, and she was way ahead of me, and I was trying to go straight to her, trying to figure out the quickest jagged route but the quickest route to her and I was getting so frustrated and of course she was taunting me because she was beating me and and I was trying to figure it out looking through the glass at her and then suddenly what I noticed was when I looked down at the floor I could just walk through the whole maze it was really easy and from then on it was I just walked through them and they didn't they were no more of a challenge to me but what a difference between walking through trying to look at the glass with someone else. I'm trying to follow her, trying to get to her when I really needed to turn around and go back to follow her because of the way the maze was. But if you know the structure, if you can look someplace other than the distractions, if you can follow your feet rather than your eyes sometimes, and it doesn't mean that your five senses are invalid. It just means that that understanding the structure takes you through a different way. And I think that's that that represents beliefs to me, this maze of thought structures. It's just a matter of asking the question, you know, is this what I really want? Does this serve me? I know I, I had a belief for a very long time that I wasn't aware of, but my life showed it because I was successful. And the belief was you have to work hard. I was also anxious most of the time, and so were the people around me. I was also very controlling. I was also very driven. I also couldn't stop and enjoy and celebrate any step of the way because there was always something more or there was a bigger goal, whatever it was. And so it is important to look at that circumstance and and just ask the question, what would I have to believe to, to, to have this circumstance? And what I noticed was, straight away, I have to work hard. And I didn't even put it together with, I have to work hard for my rewards or for money. It was just, I have to work hard. And so I worked hard. I worked hard for approval. Um, but I was never getting ahead in my job. So I was, I was certainly getting ahead in my career, but the money was always... It wasn't like Andrew um, Carnegie. It wasn't, you know, that he worked hard. He was dirt poor when he was a kid, Andrew Carnegie, and then in Scotland. And then when he came to the United States, and he just worked. He worked really, really hard. He built up a business, and he became one of the richest men in the world. And I'm not saying that's the only value. However, as an example... To work hard is not enough. You have to have a good belief that structures you. Because if you enjoy hard work, that's fine. 
I just suddenly was living in paradise. I had achieved my 10-year goal of more than 10-year goal of living in a nice warm climate, and I kind of got holiday head after after I decided I didn't want to work hard anymore. And so now I have to take the structure of the belief that I dumped, which was I don't want to work hard anymore, and change it around to having it be steady and flowing work. And that my work, that I love my work. And I always have. I, I really, I it's not work to me. But that's okay. I've formed a belief that serves me now. And then when the, I don't want to work hard anymore, you know, I'm already successful is what I put in there instead. I'm already successful, which meant I could celebrate. It meant it healed a lot of the have to work hard, have to work hard drivenness. So for me, that was a perfect next belief. And then recently, it's been more that changing that belief and adding more to it to say, well, you know, I work steadily because my discipline has been, as you can tell, I haven't been on the radio for so long. My discipline has kind of just slowed down and I'm ready again. I'm just ready. So my new belief is I I love my work. I work steadily and easily. I celebrate and I play. And there are quite a few other beliefs that I put in there, but they're like feeling beliefs. They're like a a broader kind of landscape for how I work inside that, how I play inside that, how I am inside that. So that's what you can do with your beliefs. You can take them, become aware, acknowledge what's there, and then say, do I want that to be true? And then play around with them. And what happens is you start to think differently. And then you start to act differently. And then other people respond to you differently. And life itself comes in as well. So that dance with spirit and matter comes in and helps you. It's it's a beautiful dance. It's it's the accelerator pedal of of creating and the creative method, and the break of beliefs. And that's okay. It's okay. The journey is going to be fun, and it is fun. So thanks for listening. I I think if you want to learn more about the beliefs, I'll be writing this book as we do this radio series. So join me on www speedmanifesting.com. This is Lori Mitchell. I'm glad that you have been listening.